Well, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Real Life. I'm Lisa, and today we are going to be talking about control. This podcast is not intended to replace therapy, counseling, or seeing a psychiatrist. All information is researched, and opinions and tips are my own. I am a mental health inpatient registered nurse, and professional content developer. So control. In Janet Jackson's song from 1986, Control, she's saying, when it has to do with my life, I want to be the one in control. Now, completely ignoring the fact that half of the songs I reference uh, are older than more than 70% of you listening according to my listener statistics, I'd say that Janet was talking about something that's pretty common to all of us, the desire to be in control of our own lives. Uh, This year has been a particularly challenging one for feeling in control. And it does feel a, a little bit as though every time we adapt to a new set of challenges, And then the posts are moved, and we have to adapt all over again. It's exhausting, and I'll admit I've been feeling really tired with everything going on in the world and at home. But that's the thing about control. Most of what goes on in life is out of our control. And so the challenge for each of us is to take the time to process what's going on around us so we can respond thoughtfully and keep ourselves moving forward by focusing on what is within our control, like our words, our actions, and our feelings. And so that's what we're exploring today, the role of control and our responses to what is out of our control. And good mental health and well-being, that's the important thing. Well, we want to ask the question, what is control? Control has many different meanings, depending on internal versus external factors. Internal control refers to feeling that you're able to direct the course of your own destiny as well as your ability to regulate your own emotions and behaviors. Whereas external control refers to your interactions with others and the broader world around you, such as having the power to direct or influence events or even people's behavior, which I have a lot to say about throughout this episode. But but more on that later. So why do we crave control? Because feeling like we're at the mercy of events or other people can trigger fears like insecurity, anxiety, helplessness, and vulnerability. For some of us, it can be rooted in things that happened to us as children. So, for example, I have a friend where it took her many years to learn how to get past the sense of abandonment that she felt after 
Her father left when she was just seven years old. After which she rarely ever saw him and certainly didn't have any real connection with him. Something which caused a lot of damage in her teenage and adult years when she used alcohol to mask her pain for many years and had a lot of what I would say deep-seated insecurities that caused her to become very controlling both at work and at home. For a lot of us, a lot of that stuff comes back to fear and rejection. For most of us humans, we just want to be loved and accepted. And so we can find ourselves dealing with control issues when we're in triggering situations, or even more frequently, if we're not fully aware of what we're doing, or if we just decide to prioritize our own needs above anyone else's. I think I've made my feelings quite clear on the damage that can be done to all of us by people with this strong sense of entitlement and self-importance who demand to be in control. But anyway, that's a whole other story. My point is that for a lot of people, it does come back to that core of fear of rejection. So let's talk about control issues for a minute. According to good therapy, there are a number of common indicators of control issues. And I'm going to quote directly here. Beginning of the quote. There are myriad ways in which people might attempt to control their environment themselves or others. People exert power over others in intimate relationships workplace settings, families, and other social groups. Examples of exerting control over others. Micromanagement. Keeping a person from seeing or talking to loved ones or friends. Gaslighting. And I do have a podcast on gaslighting. Um, Dishonesty. Overprotective or helicopter parenting. Physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, bullying, or taunting. Examples of controlling self or environment. Disordered eating, compulsive exercising, self-harm, substance abuse, compulsive arranging, tidying, or cleaning. Someone who struggles with a need for control may experience shame, anxiety, stress, depression, and a host of other mental health concerns. End of quote. So, in terms of mental health, being a control freak isn't specifically a personality disorder. However, many disorders are characterized by controlling tendencies, such as borderline personality disorder, narcissism, obsessive-compulsive disorder, paranoid personality disorder, and so on and so on. Sometimes a desire for control can manifest when you're in a particularly difficult state. So, why is a healthy attitude towards control 
important for good mental health. You'll notice I use the term healthy attitude. And I did so because feeling like you're in control is a good thing. And it's certainly far better than feeling out of control. But what that involves is being completely clear about what it is possible to control versus what it is not possible to control. You can control yourself, your words, your actions, and your feelings, as I have said many times. But that's about it. You cannot directly control another person, no matter how hard you, you might try. And you cannot directly control what happens in the wider world around you. You can only respond to it. You can certainly influence people and events, which is indirect control. In other words, what actually happens is still out of your control, but you can potentially nudge it or them towards a particular path or outcome. But the final result is never in your control. Think about your parents or your guardian or guardians, for example. They provide you with a set of guidelines and expectations, but the final responsibility for every action you've ever taken lies with you, and no amount of your parents trying to control what you do or say or don't do or don't say would ever have worked, which is often why most parents of teenagers end up with a strong desire to tear their hair out from frustration. <laughs> Continuing on from that example, the same is true in reverse. You can try to influence what your parents or guardian or guardians do or say, but the final choices are made by them because they are the only ones who can control their own words, actions, and feelings. Make sense? We often have a sense of being out of control for, for what I say is two reasons. The first is things are happening to us or around us that we're not in full control of. Or number two, we're trying to control something or someone we have no direct control over. And sometimes it's both one and two at the same time. Think about your relationships with the closest people in your life, your partner, your family, and your closest friends. When things are going well and everyone is in harmony, it's great. But when there's a disconnect or issues with one another, it can be torture, especially when you're trying to get them to say your point, uh, just to see your point of view, and they just will not budge. These sorts of things can trigger feelings of anger, frustration, fear, stress, hurt, anxiety, loneliness, and even grief. And so if we let issues fester or if we persist with trying to be in control of something we cannot ever hope to be in control of, then we end up creating bigger issues around us and also within ourselves. The challenge is to be clear about what is within our control and manage that effectively while also learning how to accept the things that are outside of our control and let go. How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Like most things that I talk about in this podcast, 
this stuff begins with your mindset. So first, start by reflecting on your mindset in relation to control. Stay with me now. What is your relationship to the idea of control? Are you a controlling person? Do you, do you allow yourself to be controlled by others? In which case, um, you might want to stay tuned for an upcoming podcast episode on assertiveness. So, do you struggle when it comes to letting go of things outside of your control? Or do you have the ability to focus on what you can control while being pragmatic about the stuff that is outside of your direct control? Any journey begins with being clear about where you are today. So it's important to be really honest with yourself so you can have a clear picture of your current reality and start working out where you want to head towards in the future. Then dig a bit, just dig a bit deeper into your mindset around control. Consider each of these statements and answer with a yes or no. I am in direct control of my own words, actions, and feelings. I have direct control over what I do in my life. I accept that I cannot directly control other people. I accept that I cannot directly control the things that go on in the world. I am able to influence other people and events. However, the final outcome is still out of my hands. If you answered yes to all five of these, then you've got a pretty solid handle on this control business. If you answered no to any or all of them, or if you struggled to fully answer yes or no, then you have an opportunity to do some work on how you approach the idea of control. Focus on the specific question or questions you answered no to and take some time to understand why you feel that way. For example, if you answered no to the statement, I accept that I cannot directly control other people, then what led you to answer that way? Deep down, you have to know that it's not possible to control other people, no matter how hard you try. Without resorting to emotionally abusive behaviors like dishonesty or manipulating people to question their own sanity, known as gaslighting, reminder, there is a podcast on gaslighting. So, if you don't believe me, just think back to how well previous attempts by other people to control you have worked out. No judgments here. This is just about being honest with yourself about where you are today. Sometimes we might have these beliefs, but we've never actually stopped to think about why we have those beliefs. So this is a really good opportunity to go back and think about it. It could also be that your ego is refusing to let go of the idea of you being in full control. And if that's the case, okay, again, no judgment. It's just about knowing where you are today. That's all.
So once you've worked through that part, challenge the need for control in all things. This bit will apply for some of you and not others. So I'm not suggesting everyone feels this way. But I know that for myself, I can often want things done a particular way or I want to feel like I'm in full control of everything, especially if I'm having difficulties with my anxiety. But when you pursue control in all things, you tend to piss people off, which creates more issues. I mentioned earlier that I had, I guess I, I, I had a bit of a tendency towards micromanagement sometimes in my previous career. And that was particularly bad just before I quit my job. But as you can imagine, that really alienated people and made things worse. My desire for control rarely ever made things better for me. Just sharing that with you. Remember that relationships are about balance rather than control. In a healthy relationship, both of you are in control, but at the same time, neither of you are. This applies to all types of healthy relationships, partner, family, friends, and it even extends to work relationships. A healthy relationship involves give and take, let me read a quote from Strategic Psychology, which I think explains this point perfectly. Beginning of the quote. You shouldn't feel powerless in your relationship, but you are also not in command. Arguments and disagreements will happen. It is natural. Successful and happy relationships are defined by how you navigate your way through conflict. End of quote. Next thing you want to do, build and maintain trust. A lot of control issues are more about trust than they are about control. As a manager, most people I found myself micromanaging were the ones I didn't trust completely to do the job required or to do it to the required standard. And so in that sort of case, it's important to dig into the trust bit and focus on building trust, which is proactive, rather than becoming controlling, which is reactive. Things will not change for the better if you don't take the time to nurture them. And trust is something that is built over time, and it's fundamental, and it takes work. So you also want to be open to different opinions and perspectives. We are all individuals and we each have our own unique way of looking at the world. And so when we focus too much on why people see things differently to the way we do, we can end up becoming controlling to the point of alienating people. Don't force your perspectives on others. And remember that if it isn't harming anyone, then be kind and just let other people get on with their lives. While we're on the subject, what people do in the privacy of their own homes and with their own lives is up to them, not you. So mind your own business. And on a related note, remember that nobody is ever going to agree with you 100% of the time. Speaking of, my next point is be flexible. 
Not only will people not agree with you 100% of the time, they will not do what you want them to do 100% of the time. This isn't my opinion. This is just a fact of life. If you expect the entire world to bow to your needs and wants, then you're in for a series of very rude shocks when you start pissing people off left and right and center. You, you see it when you're out at the shop and someone is kicking up a stink because they have to wait in line for a few minutes or when you're at a restaurant and someone demands to speak to the manager because the dish they want isn't available you you can't have things your way all the time and if you want to get along with people then you need to be flexible and be willing to compromise and be willing to let go of a little bit of control every now and then then you want to put things in context. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. Ask yourself if whatever it is will really matter in five years, because most of it just won't. When I think about things from five years ago, it's the big events and the people I care about that I remember and not the little details of who won what argument or how something was done or what happened at the shop that one time. We get so hung up on the little details and often it can all feel incredibly important and dramatic in the moment. But when the heat of the emotion has simmered down and once time has passed, often we can't even remember what it was that we were so fired up about in the first place. So put things into perspective in terms of the bigger picture of what really matters, which brings me to my next point, prioritize. This is where the common sense approach to control bit comes in that I mentioned at the start of this episode. When it comes to wanting to be in control, you need to work out what's more important to you, being in control, being right, or continuing with the relationship slash situation. Let me explain. I've been with my husband for a very long time, and even though I'd love to always get my way with things, that's a recipe for separation. Instead, I have to ask myself, what's more important, getting my own way or maintaining my relationship? And so because my relationship is more important to me, I'm then able to prioritize and focus on compromising rather than being inflexible. Then practice self-awareness. Sometimes we do and say things without thinking. And when we do that, we can wind up creating outcomes that are less than ideal, which is a polite way of saying crap. It's important to be yourself and be completely authentic, but you can do that in a way that is thoughtful and also respectful of others. Monitor your words, actions, and feelings. And if you're faced with control issues, then take some time to consider what the appropriate next course of action might be in terms of doing no harm. Be kind and giving more than you take. Also, remember to practice self-care. If you're craving control or just feeling out of control or even feeling as if you have no control at all, pause and take a few deep breaths then make some time for self-care. Whether that's a cup of coffee or tea, taking a walk or whatever healthy option works for you. And finally, if you're struggling with control issues or feeling out of control, get support from a counselor or therapist. I know I say it at almost every episode, but there's a good reason for that, which is 
that you don't have to deal with the stuff on your own, and nor should you. The advantage of working through things with a trained professional is that they can provide you with a more objective viewpoint and they can help you to see the things you might not have thought of. So, because when it comes to control and mental health, what it all boils down to is this. All that you have direct control over is yourself, your words, your actions, and your feelings. You can choose the words that come out of your mouth. You can choose what you do, and you can choose what you feel. But for everything else, you can only hope to influence it if you're lucky. And for most things, it's out of your control. If you try to control things or people that are out of your control, then you cause yourself pain and suffering. And life is too valuable to spend it feeling crappy. Your words, your actions, and your feelings are the most valuable things in your life because it is through them that you can shape your destiny. This is real life. I'm Lisa. Stay well.